Hello, welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. Of course, if you're listening, this is bonus content. If you're on YouTube, then you know why you're here. It's very simple. It's been a while, actually. I apologize. The bonus content doesn't get done because the boys are busy. Everyone's out and about doing things. People got their own fame. I've got to put in written requests. I'm sending a pigeon over to Leah's address saying, yo, please, Leah's, we need you back on a pod. Um, but it's very simple. We've got the biggest transfers in the Premier League so far up until this point, the time of recording, which is the 16th of January. These are the biggest transfers. We're going to rate them. There's not really a there's not really a scale. But basically, flop or not, and we'll chat about why we think they are. But in the end, we have to agree on a list. So it's, we've got to have the number one flop down to the number, I think it's 10 or 11, not a flop. So essentially, flop or not. Um, Leah's is here. Abdul is a debut, but if you've listened to the podcast, then you will know he appeared on Tuesday. If you're just here, sat on YouTube, don't know why you're not listening to the podcast. You should do both because... Clearly, if you've got time to watch us, you've definitely got time to listen to us. And Danielle's here, obviously, in the Arsenal garbs. Because, lady, <laughs> I just want to very quickly say this is a proper caveat. I said one negative thing, not even negative, remotely negative about Arsenal yesterday after tweeting so many positive things. Why are you guys so hurt? All the time. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because Liverpool fans the last few years have been the most sensitive fans on, on the internet. You say one thing about that. This is you guys three years later. So hold that. Danielle, keep talking. Um, I don't know what to say. Leas, I'm just going to let you have that one, bro. I like it. Thanks. Do your thing, baby. Do your thing. Thanks. I'm standing up for Arsenal fans. It's, it's normal. It's normal. It's years and years of hurt, man. It's just, it's bottled up inside, you know? It's weird, though, because you tweet like, it's going to turn into a rant, but tweeted 10 wonderful things about Arteta, the way they play Arsenal, Shaka, Shaka. Then I tweeted saying, I feel like the level of the league isn't quite as high as it should be. I didn't even mention Arsenal. Oh, they don't want to see us win it. This is because we're winning it. I think, brother, it's 19 games into the season anyway. Come the end of the season, if you don't win it, you're going to be saying it wasn't at the level. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you can listen to more of that conversation in the podcast. Let's get into this one. This is a list from Sport Bible. Top of the list. In terms of value, is Jack Grealish. This, these are their numbers. I don't know for sure if they're completely correct, but they're going to be somewhere there or thereabouts. Uh, Jack Grealish cost Man City 117.5 million euros. That's an eye-watering amount of money. Abdul, you're new here, so I'm going to come to you first. Do you feel like this is a flop, or do you feel like it's... Mm, whatever that is. I think um, just because Grealish came into a, a team full of stars right it's hard to make an impact as he was you know being uh, as he was at aston villa so it has to it's harder to stand out now obviously the amount of money each transfer goes for for right now it's not like for me personally i feel most of the players in now nowadays don't are not worth the money that they get you know transferred for but um if i had to say based on the minutes he gets based on the at least the showings I'd say it's it's bordering lying on flop, yeah, for the amount of money. He's gone early. He's gone early. Um, yeah. I'll roll you some stats very quickly on Jack Grealish. Now, I hate these type of stats because I just don't think they're relevant to certain yeah, yeah, players. Yeah. Um, but in the Premier League, since he's been at City, 38 games, five okay. goals, six assists. <laughs> to be fair, though, if you were to take his last season at Villa, where for me, he was arguably the best player in the league for certain yeah. points. I don't think his stats were probably that much better than that. So for uh, me, Grealish has never... Yeah, yeah his, his stats for me have never been that heavily reliant on numbers. Like you look at yeah. chances created, uh, take-ons, that kind of stuff for me is what 
100%. sums up Jack Grealish. But Wilfred Zaha style is about what he brings to the attack, right. anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Right, 100%. So for me, the numbers themselves don't dictate for me whether he's been a flop or a success. What I will say about Grealish, though, is there was a point where he was one of my favorite players in the league. I wanted him at United really badly. But I never, ever really thought that at City, he would ever take off just because of the style of play that City plays and just because mm. of the style that he plays. He's extremely ball dominant. Like Grealish is at his best when he can pick up the ball two or three players focus their attention on him. And then he's very good at like releasing players at the perfect time because they're obviously yeah. free now because he's been double teamed. But at City, it's all one touch, two touch, playing for the rest of the team, movement off the ball. And that's why I actually said even last year, people were saying, Grealish, you got to give him a second year because all of Pep's signings need that second year to take off. I never even thought with that second year, Grealish would live up to the price tag. So if you want to go purely on the money, I don't think Grealish will ever live up, live up to it. And in that yeah. sense... Yes, he's a flop, but I think on this list, there will be bigger ones than him. I think it's just the reality of, for me, I, I think he's out of his depth at City. Like, he's a good player. He's a great player, in my opinion. But I think at City, the level and the style that they play at is yeah. completely different to his. And I think and I, you can still see it, by the way. Like, even even now, like, when you see Grealish coming on and trying to, especially from the left side, you can see that he's struggling with, should I make a pass now, a play a 1-2, or should I run and, and carry the ball? You know, like I know that Pep is probably trying to make him more his style than what he used to do at Aston Villa, but I, I still see that he has his tendencies and habits from how he plays generally, and he's struggling with it. And you've hit the nail Absolutely. on the head there because at Aston Villa, he Dean Smith used to just basically tell him, grab the ball, do what you feel is right, pick up yeah. pockets of space in the 10, on the right, on the left. And I genuinely feel like because Jack Grealish is just one of the guys, like he's such a humble, no frills, no superstar kind of guy. That I feel like he's genuinely gassed that he's at City. Like, like you know, like on your first day of this big school and you're so excited and you've got the T-shirt and you're like, oh my God, Pep, teach me. So he hasn't quite imposed himself on that dressing room. It almost feels like he's openly spoken about how De Bruyne is his idol and he loves, like, he loves him and he wants to emulate his game on him. And I feel like that mentally has had a toll on him because he's scared to make mistakes. He doesn't want to do. He doesn't mm. want to do anything that takes him out of the lineup for the next three or four games. He doesn't want to uh, get told off by Pep, and that's kind of hampering his style of play, which is quite instinctive and quite free flowing normally. So yeah, mm. I couldn't. I, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, like for me, every time he gets the ball, it's almost like he's afraid to make a mistake. Like he overthinks every single action. Like you said, I think that's perfectly said. Grealish is best when he's playing off the cuff, off instinct, and at yeah. City. You looked at Mares before, it's almost very similar in their games. I think Mares is at a, a little higher level, so you haven't seen that much of a difference. But I, I agree completely about Grealish. Okay. Um, I w my only thing about it is, when I look at price tag and stats like goals and assists, the only way someone can warrant a price tag of that amount and not get goals and assists is when their general impact on the game is pretty flawless. And I don't think his is. And so there I go like... Yeah. Then that's when I go, okay, if you, now it's time for you to score goals and assists. I did look at his Villa stats in his last season. He got six goals, 10 assists, 16 goal contributions in 33 games. I think it's, it's, that's a relatively good return for a very average side at the time. I think they were actually relegation bound, to be fair. Um, Second season, not so much. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit somewhere in the middle, but I'm going to push him towards flop. We don't have to rank them just yet. So let's just keep him just there well, for now. Well, I, well I, I tell you what cements him as a flop, I can't lie is that when he scored that header against United, there was something in me that knew that because it was Jack Grealish that scored, <laughs> he wasn't going to get the winner in the Manchester derby because it, it just it just hasn't gone like that for Jack Grealish. So when, Jack, when I saw Jack Grealish scored, I was like, oh, 
United are minimum getting a draw out of this because Jack Grealish, <laughs> it just hasn't happened for him. Danielle, so. he did that celebration. He's like, he uh, thought he was going to be on all the back pages. He thought that was going to be when City wins the league in the, at, at the end of the season. That would be the picture. So, and yeah. in all seriousness, you know, we're all Jack Grealish guys, but there is, you can sense when someone has imposed themselves on a club or not. And um, he feels like a passenger at the moment. So it has to it be. It also stopped. felt like it was, there was a lot of frustration after that goal that just came out. Like, yeah. it's been a while since he scored a goal and he's finally made his mark, you know, on a big yeah. game. So you know, it, was, like, it was similar to, you know, the assist against Leeds where he squared it to Haaland. Um, or was it yeah. the other way around? No, it was. No, he, he squared it to Haaland. Yeah, he squared yeah, he it to Haaland. And his celebration was like, it was his first assist in his career and he's been playing 46 years. And I was like, Slow down, buddy. This is Leeds, first of all. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do agree. I think the psychology side is massive, but we've got 11 other players to go for, and a few of these I think we are going to pause on for a minute. Romelu Lukaku to Chelsea for 113 million euros. I feel we can all agree this was a horrific transfer, top to bottom. The only people who benefited was Inter Milan because they made a ton of money, took him back, and to be fair, he's not doing brilliantly there now, but still they made a load of money off him, uh, and they won a league with him as well, so... Um, but 130 million, you've tweeted about this a lot, Leah. So I feel you are best suited to talk about Lukaku because I have seen so many Lukaku tweets. <laughs> I Look, feel we're I... going to agree on a lot of things because we're both United fans. <laughs> Bro, 100%. I, I was, what's that Gary Neville meme where he's like, this is the one that couldn't fail. This is the, this was the banker. This was the one that had oh. to work. Lukaku going to the champions of Europe, fresh off being the Serie A MVP, seemed like it was like a match made in heaven, man. Like it, it seemed like that would be the final piece for Tuchel to go and challenge for the league title. And I think, A, Lukaku never wanted to be there in the first place based on, on, on what he came out with in that interview in October, which for as much of a defender as I've been of Lukaku in the past, like that for me was the stupidest decision I've ever seen in any athlete make ever. Like to make that interview two months after joining a team for hundred million pounds on a five-year contract was ludicrous in my mind, but it was the never Ronaldo, to be it, there. Was the, it was the Ronaldo blueprint. It, it, it yeah, laid the foundation <laughs> for Cristiano. Cristiano was like, okay, Romelu, I hear you. <laughs> I like your mentality. I like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, man. I mean, like, look, that's this might be the biggest flop in this entire list. Like, it, I can't even describe. And, and the thing is, I think he's on this list twice, right? A second time for United. And yeah, it yes. seemed at the time impossible. <laughs> it seemed impossible that at the time it could be worse than that. But this is worse than that. This this might be the worst on the entire list. Flop. I mean, what I would say, what I would say is what he did at Milan had everyone feeling like Chelsea had basically banked themselves a title challenge, right? And yeah. he started off the season, obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan and I've still got, like, PTSD from what he did to us at the Emirates. And but what I would say is that once the fullbacks are so important to how Chelsea play, so you had Ben Chilwell and Reese James, right? That fell apart and everything about Chelsea fell apart. So basically, they were having to then play, like, a 3-4-3 kind of vibe where the striker was no longer the focal point of anything. So Lukaku is all of a sudden being told, we're going to pay 100 million for you. You're going to come in. It's all going to be about you. We're going to put the ball on a plate for you. And you've just got to get the goals. And then two months in, the play has yeah. completely changed. They want him to play like this false eight and a half. So I, but, I'm, yeah, I'm sympathetic towards him. But in one hand, you've got to make the most of it. On the other hand, you've got to throw it all away and... He threw it. Daniel, I agree. I, I would have been sympathetic 100% because actually the way that Tuchel wanted to play him compared to like just the season before, the way he was playing at, Conte completely mastered Lukaku. He found the mm. way to play him in terms of on yeah. that right channel, run, the, run that channel, 
you're so dominant physically. That's your game. Put the ball. He, Lukaku plays well with the goal in front of him. Mm-hmm. But Thomas Tuchel all 100%. of a sudden flips him completely. Play with your back to goal, which Lukaku has never been good yeah. at. They see him as like this big, strong striker and that exactly. he can hold the ball. Never been his game. Lukaku received, I think, 10 on average, like eight or nine uh, balls in the air to his head more than he did at mm. Inter Milan, which again, isn't his strength. He's not going to nod it off to someone. And all of a sudden, you've taken a guy who just showed you the blueprint to, to be an excellent striker a season before, ripped it all up, and asked him to play a different way that he's never played before. But again, the only reason I have no sympathy for him is that interview, bro. Like, <laughs> I have no idea who advised him to do that, but that is catastrophic. Yeah. Man. I- <laughs> yeah, purely, purely on football, I'm with Lace 100%. He, it's just everywhere he's been, except for Inter, he's just been grossly misused. Mm. You know, and it's it's not his attributes. Like he, they want him to do stuff he's just not good at. You know, and 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 as Liz said, like Conte showed everyone how to use Lukaku. If, if you talk, and, if you asked a, if you asked a casual fan, oh, how should you play Lukaku? They would typecast him straight away and say back to goal, pin up traditional number nine. Set. You would never yeah. say, oh, he likes playing on the shoulder and he likes rolling the defender on the half turn. Like people would say, oh no yeah. no, that's for like speedy nimble people. So essentially, that's his problem. He's too hench, and people are lazy, and that's why this transfer has failed. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think also like the fee does not help in it. Like <laughs> we just spoke about fee, and I think 113 million euros. The fact that he's on the list, like five down for 85 million euros, it just like cements this guy's legacy as the flop transfer because it just hasn't worked for him. It does come to a point though where I go. Manager like Thomas Tuchel, who understands tactics the way he does, who was at that time being talked as one of the most tactically fluid managers in Europe, gets a big man up front and decides to play him like a lump. I was like, you just did the most Sam Allardyce thing with all the coaching badges you had in the world. How did that even happen? Like, at what point did he go, yeah, man, I think Lukaku's that big nine. We've got to toss it up to his head. Um, so, yeah, Tommy Tuchel, you got blood on your hands, bro. You should be on this list. Because <laughs> stinky behaviour. Um, I just want to say I was tweeting about Tommy Tuchel the flop at the time, but uh, mm. ten out of ten flop. <laughs> ten out of ten Lukaku flop. Paul yeah. Pogba, hundred and five million euros back to Manchester United. I want to just very quickly say, if you didn't listen to the podcast, I think two two episodes ago, Faisal said that Paul Pogba in his prime is the best midfielder or one of the best midfielders ever. Then the conversation went on to when was his prime, and that. <laughs> Well, the results of that were, we don't know. We still don't know. We're still waiting for it. <laughs> to the point where Faisal even said, we've never listen, seen it. But Listen, it is. listen, listen, Rambo. Pogba's only had two primes in his life. One, the drink by KSI, and one, his Amazon subscription. I'm sorry. And I love, I love, I love, I love Paul Labille Pogba. I love the fact that he half volleyed it in Juventus once. And I love, like, he did a one-two with Pirlo once. But let's be honest. Like, let's be serious. Ability-wise, no one can doubt him. You know, like when you look on, when you write down everything, okay, what has this guy got? The touch, the vision, the this. But I'm sorry, you've actually got to do it in real life. And I know he was going through a stinky period in United's history with an awful team, awful direction, Chevrolet as a sponsor. I mean, that's just that's just shambolic. That says everything. I just want to say though, Chevrolet, if you do want to sponsor the podcast, just ignore what. Please do. I love Chevrolet. (laughs) Chevrolet. Chevrolet. (laughs) We do anything for money out here, you know. So, but but having said that, I'll I'll let the other boys come in first. Having said that, though, it doesn't quite scream out to me as much of a flop as the headline would suggest. Because how many years did they get out of Paul Labille? As in consistently performing well, or as in like just no, just 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 turning up to work on the payroll. Six 
seasons. Yeah, six years. And he only so, played over 30 once yeah. in the league. Yeah, that's all right. Six years at a pool. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's not as much of a stinker as, uh, as like, Lukaku for 10 hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so. I think the, the, the differences between Paul Pogba and, and Lukaku in, in that in instance, and I know it's, it's contrast differences, but ability-wise, um, is that Paul, well, sorry, not the differences, the similarity. The similarity is that they went to projects that they shouldn't have went to. Like for United, it's all the dream and Pogba coming back and he's going to carry United, you know, back into the whatever glory days. And this is the one mistake we as fans also do is that we place so much help, like burden on one player to carry a team, which mm. is not, isn't supposed to be done like that way, especially with the attributes of Paul Pogba. And then the personality comes into it. Paul likes to show ball, likes to do tricks, likes to to be the, the the star man off the pitch, maybe sometimes on the pitch. But he delivered for good periods for United, but the bad periods were the team really as a whole stinked. You know, mm. so and people still demanded that Pogba carries that that weak team to to winning consistently. And and this is where the, the discussion about Paul, I think, feels get lost, you know, like where is his prime? Why isn't he showing up in these games? Why isn't he doing something? But then again, you look at his position or where he's being played. It was like, well, we're p- playing him in, in the position where he's weakest or that his attributes are not the best. Why? Because we don't have like a proper replacement for him or a proper player for that position. So he's kind of a makeshift. So it's like, it, it's, it's weird. It's a weird situation. Carl Anker actually wrote an article where he said, Paul Pogba, unfortunately, is a couple of inches too tall. And because he's tall, everyone expects him to be this all-action, left-right, box-to-box, like slide tackling, but also finishing off a move. I'll tell you this, Daniel. Paul Pogba is the most misprofiled player I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, in general, you talk. Yeah, I'm I'm stealing a a page off Amir's book. You look at when Pogba came to Man United, fresh off of that that Juve form, where again. At Juve, you even watch him in his last season. I've done this in the past. I've gone back to see the, the tie against Bayern, for example, where he ran the show over two legs. His play comes off that left-hand side. He always yeah. had guys in the mm. middle of the pitch, whether it's Pirlo, Vidal, Marquisio, Matuidi, whoever it is, doing that defensive work for him. And then he... It's almost like Zidane. I'm not going to compare Pogba and Zidane here, right? But the way they play, Zidane is not a central mid- midfielder, for example. Zidane is not playing in the center of the pitch. A lot of his game comes off him floating off that left-hand side a bit mm-hmm. like Pogba did. But Jose Mourinho saw Pogba. Again, I think it's perfect the way Karlenka said it. He's a bit too tall. You see him, you think, mm. this is the next Vieira. This is the next mm. Yaya Toure. Exactly. Commanding, dominant, box-to-box midfielders who are just going to grab the games by the scruff of the neck and just carry the ball. That's not Pogba's game. So if you remember Pogba's first ever game at United against Southampton, they played a double pivot of him and Fellaini. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Picking up the ball off their center backs. This is a guy who's one of the most creative midfielders in the final third in Europe. The guy cannot play in the the first phase as well as he does in those other sides. So Pogba is a a victim of United's poor recruitment, victim of their poor scouting. I think he does have some blame to him, 100%. I think... um, for how long he was there, he couldn't stay fit nearly enough. He only played over 30 games in the league one single time. So, so he's not faultless, but he is a massive victim of, of Man United's... Com- like, I think of Pogba next to Casemiro in this Man United team. Bro, I think he's lights out. And it's just a shame. He's also a victim of how well France were doing at the same time yeah. as United yeah. were flopping. Because mm. I remember Musa Sissoko coming up in conversation like this as well with my friend who's a Newcastle fan, where they'd look at... Musa Sissoko for Newcastle and they'd go, 
what's going on? And they'd look at him for France and he'd look like a totally different player. And what starts creeping into your head there then is you've got a player that can play, but it's just like, oh, look, I'm playing with these rubbish average players over here. This is what happens when like, yeah. I'm actually surrounded by good players. So that, that didn't help him either. Yeah, or playing in a position where his strengths are not utilized. You know, like even with France, as Les was saying right now, like he had Kante and Matuidi on his side when they exactly. were playing in, in out of position in a 4-4-2. So Paul Pogba wasn't really carrying any defensive you know, responsibility. I think one of his best seasons uh, at United, apart from that period where Solskjaer was an interim uh, manager, was um, the 16-17, which is his first season because mm. Michael Carrick was still playing. And Herrera too. And, and, yeah, and Herrera was playing. And wow, what a funny coincidence. That was the last time United won a, won a trophy because they actually had people in the first phase doing the, the job they were supposed to do. And Paul Pogba was, quote-unquote, attacking midfielder, you know? Would you so after? Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, no. I, I hear the. I'm I'm fully on board with this, like very fair analysis of Pogba's time at United. I think this is yeah. very much of what that is. Normally, I think people go, "He's shit, and he wasn't worth United's time, and we spent too much money on him. Yeah. We gave him too much time." On the flip side is Faisal, who says, "You know, he he is the best thing since sliced bread," and I don't think that's true either. I think he I will said, say this bit though to defend Faisal. Pogba is is his prime is not the best of all time. I I will say this though, Pogba had all the tools, both physically and athletically, that if he had put it together, he would have been one of the best midfielders of all time. Because there's nothing that the guy cannot do. Yeah. The problem is he never put it together. And mentally, I don't think he's on the same level as the likes of Verratti, Thiago, Modric, Iniesta. Yeah. Those guys who give it to you more consistently. That, that's to, what separates the greats from the from yeah. the good. And, and it's you, longevity, you know. Yeah, and you have to be a level like in, if you really want to compete at an elite level your whole life, you need to be some level of a narcissist. Like you need to be obsessed with winning. And uh, Pogba, it seems, was more obsessed with kind of like just his brand rather than actually doing the work at an elite level on the pitch as well. So. Uh, even though yeah. I'm sympathetic towards yeah, him yeah. and I understand the circumstances, if I have to choose whether it's a flop or not, yeah. I ha I have to say that if I if I was a United fan and Pogba came in and the dreams that I had when we signed Pogba, <laughs> nowhere near achieved that. So I I'll would never forget Pogba. the day we signed him, bro. Like I, it felt like United were like right. signing right. the, the right. next Crazy. coming of like Stormzy. bro. It was insane. World record <laughs> fee, Stormzy coming out in the commercial, bro. It was insane. So. Yeah, when you talk about the expectation that United fans had when they signed him, how much of it is his fault? That's debatable. But I, I think what isn't is that he is a flop. Yeah, I hate United's marketing to begin with anyway. Because every, time they, every, time they, every time they make a signing look like that's, that's the best thing since sliced bread, that signing flops so hard. Every time someone talks about Pogba's marketing, I remember Sanchez for some reason and the piano. So, like, yeah. nah, I don't that's remember. Ten that. Casemiro, just a, a regular shirt hold. That, that's all we got to do. Lissandro, just that's hold it. up your shirt. That's <laughs> it. Tranquilo, tranquilo, tranquilo. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Pogba is going in the flop category. I think, Leah's what you said there about Pogba is probably the most nailed-on analysis that most people say. He had everything top to bottom. He just never put yeah. it together. And I think the thing is, we love Paul Pogba when he played very well because he's so good to watch. But then when you like really deep it and you go, is he in my midfield when we really need to win a game? I don't know which Pogba's going to turn up. Is he going to be there because he fancies it? Is he going to be on it? You never know. So 
I completely agree. Uh, I'm going to skip the next one because Anthony, and we've only seen a handful of his games. And I think... <laughs> no, no, that... no. Let's talk about that guy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's mixed reviews. There's a lot of players to go through. Yeah. Um, the next one's Harry Maguire, 87 million euros. Um, I feel this probably doesn't need that mm. much of a conversation. I think a lot of people share very similar views on Harry Maguire. Um, what I will say is, and I don't want to defend him as such, but I do feel the price tag has murdered him. Because um, I, I think even if you asked him, are you an 87 million euros um, defender? He would say no. Um, I think that combined with the fact that the demands on him in a time when United were not at the level was far too high. Uh, therefore, expectation was like, you are going to come in and be the next coming of Virgil van Dijk at United. That was never going to happen. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. That comparison killed him as well. Um, and then the captaincy. Yeah, the captaincy, the captaincy was a killed him. horrible decision. Killed him. Um, I don't know why you give captaincy to a guy who's just not playing at any sort of level to get captaincy. Um, but, then, but then if we look at him as a defender on his good day, he's played in a major final for England and he's played in a, a semi-final, a World Cup semi-final for England. And also... Like, so is Dayan Lovren. So no, is no, Dayan Lovren. No, no, listen, exactly. listen, like, yeah, he's one of the world's best defenders, bro. What are you talking about? Have you heard him? Yeah, Dayan Lovren what? carried Liverpool to the Champions League. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what, 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 what I'm saying is like momentum is a big thing in football. And sometimes like Xhaka in another universe would be playing for Hertha Berlin right now. No, he wouldn't. But like, but don't yeah. chat to me about Granit Xhaka. Sure. No, no, that's my, that's my guy right there. But listen, he, he, he was on his way out. The media were murdering him. Twitter was murdering him. The fan base was murdering him. And that, that yeah. can cause the board, the management, to have to make a decision on you. But I just feel like it got... When you're the captain of Man United, the attention on you is like times a million. And mm. I can't lie, it went to the point of it was a bit uncomfortable watching it. Like, I yeah, I don't yeah. think, like, it it was really, like, the vibes weren't yeah. good there. So, th for that reason, I felt like, oh, maybe it would be good for him to, like, just move away on loan or, or cut yeah. his losses. But I think, I think there is space for him to make a comeback. But unfortunately, when you've bought an enforcer like Varane, when you see how cohesive the team is now... Unfortunately, that's not a good sign for Harry Maguire. Like, it doesn't I, seem like the signs of him making a comeback when everyone else seems so in tandem and so passionate. I've, I've reached a, same, a similar point. I've reached a point where, like, I felt sorry for him and I actually wanted him to leave Manchester United for his own good, not because we will be better without him. Like, actually, for the person, you know, like, I felt that bad for Harry. It became and, like a hate camp. It almost felt like it was like a targeted abuse. Yeah, 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 it, it became uncomfortable, it, honestly. It absolutely was. Like, I, I got hate for defending him because I, I defend him quite a lot, but not in because he's the best thing ever, but it's just because of the way he's being treated. You know, and I don't think he is a bad defender. I think he's a really good defender, but with specific attributes. If you play to those attributes, you'll get a good defender out of him. Could it? Could he? But, could he play for? Could he play for for like a Spurs or a Chelsea? Could Harry yeah, Maguire play for? A... Yeah. Yeah. Maguire yeah. in that in that yeah. Chelsea Tuchel back three would have would have been fine. He would have cooked. Think. He would have been fine. So, yeah. so there's a so there's a player in there. So I I feel like he's just a victim of uh, United need a scapegoat. It's, Old Trafford this... on him. It's the same thing with the last with the last guy, Pogba, in the sense of he's he's being mis not misused, but he's a victim of the recruitment style of Manchester United. You know, mm -hmm. like we've been playing for the last three years without a CDM, without a deep holding midfielder. We're playing with McTominay and Fred at deep holding midfielders for two years. Now it was actually kind of 
a little bit mir miraculous that we had the defensive record we've had in 1920 and, and, and 2021. But, and when you think about it, it's Lindelof and, and Harry Maguire are the starting center backs with David De Gea behind them. Mm -hmm. So that whole freaking backbone structure was weak and fragile. And the two center backs were holding it together somehow, you know, and people don't give him credit for that. But because of what happened last season, everything before that gets erased and you only remember the most, you know, recent thing which is the fall in 20 you know 21 2022 and yeah. i get that but it also it doesn't erase what everyone what the guy did before that you know yeah and i, I, don't, again, I don't think I, I, I think he's a victim of the recruitment yeah. issues in, at united as well and unlike pogba so correct me when, when did maguire sign for united i think this is 20, 1920. yeah 1920 19, so this is his third in what is his fourth season or third season Fifth, sorry isn't it? fourth Fourth. 19, 20, 20, 21, 21, 22, fourth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so out, of, so out of that, are we saying he's had one horrific season? Last season, the whole team that, was that shit. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Horrific, yeah, last year was yeah. the only yeah. one really so horrific. Not, so, so for me, that's not long enough to go, all right, this guy's done out, this guy's washed. I don't think that's fair. Uh, I, I this is the thing with Maguire, right? Let me say this. I think... You can say this about a lot of players, obviously, especially on this list, but the problem with Maguire discourse for me was that it was always too extreme on either side. Some people honestly think that this guy's a League One defender, championship defender. Like he, He's the luckiest guy on the planet to, to play for Man United. But some people, I think, also took it too far. And like they say, oh, he, he made the team of the tournament at the Euros and he, he's, he led United to second. Like I never thought Maguire, for me, was a top five, top ten defender on the planet. The problem was the discourse, was, the, the, the real truth about yeah. Maguire is that he's not an amazing defender. He's not a wank defender. He's, he's just a good Premier League defender, in my opinion. The problems with him... A, I think the Van Dyke point is perfectly said, Nubade. Honestly, I didn't even think about it, but the fact that Van Dyke came a season or so uh, before and you saw the immediate change in, in Liverpool's defense from top four to Champions League winners and Premier League winners, it was like that overnight mm. killed Maguire because then all of a sudden the same expectation is put onto him. And he's not Van Dyke's level and he will never be able to be Van Dyke's level. Secondly, I think Maguire is also uh, a victim of the fact that Let's be honest, guys. He looks goofy. Like when he defends, <laughs> when he makes mistakes, it, it, it's magnified. It's not like when Van Dyke makes a mistake, people can like kind of excuse it, like, oh, he's just caught out of pace. Maguire, when he makes mistakes, looks all over the place. And it's very mm -hmm. easy to go on Twitter right after and say, look at this, look yeah. at this clown over here. So I think all of that combined with the fact that the, the discourse around him is just too back and forth. And when someone says he's amazing, someone wants to be completely saying, no, nah, that's absolutely nonsense. He's garbage. Yeah. That killed mm -hmm. him for me, bro. Killed him. It, it's it's aesthetics and his also agility. So it, it plays a part in how goofy he looks, especially like you can take a very similar example in Aaron Wan-Bissaka. On the ball, yeah. I don't feel comfortable with Aaron Wan-Bissaka on the ball. But he's not a bad defender and he's not bad at carrying the ball either. It's just his passing is not that good. But And he looks a little bit uncomfortable on the, on the ball, right? And, and this is the reason why I think that Eric Ten Hag is not using him anymore. It isn't because he isn't a bad defender or a good defender. I think it's because Eric Ten Hag value the, the agility over everything. I want the speed and I want to be able to be turned and run back as fast as possible. Mm. And, and, and that's the, the, the thinking, I think, behind uh, not selecting Harry Maguire and also the ball progression. It's like, I looked at it. I have Shaw. I have, I have uh, Lissandro Martinez. I have Varane, who's okay. Not that, not that good who can provide me the ball progression, which Harry does. Okay, so I don't need Harry if I have the ball progression plus the agility from the mm. other guys. So that's why I, I don't, I'm, he's not using Harry Maguire. It isn't because he's like, oh, he's bad. See, we got confirmed now that uh, a high-level you know, manager 
dumped out Maguire and the rest didn't. So, yeah. Like, it's it's it, also like, sorry to interrupt, but you've got, um, you've got a defender there who cost you 87 million. People immediately assume that he's going to be like yeah. a Rolls Royce of a defender. He is a kick it, lump it defender. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. Like that, that he has his limitations. He can carry the ball yeah. to some extent, but his best attribute, as you've seen when he plays for England, is uh-huh. no one's going to beat him in the air. He's dangerous from a corner and he's physically more powerful than most of the players. Um, so therefore that's kind of like his strength level, but then is he going to work in a 10 Hag team? Probably not. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we're back in flop here. Gently black back in flop. Yeah. Yeah, a flop. Can I just make one last point before we go on, on the, the Virgil, Virgil van Dijk comparison. I think I remember I said that when we first signed uh, Harry Maguire, the, the problem with that comparison is that when you look at the time Liverpool bought van, Virgil van Dijk and the time United bought Harry Maguire, it's totally different context in the mm. sense that Virgil van Dijk was one of the last pieces Liverpool needed to complete their team. But Harry Maguire was one of the first, if you want to say, pieces that we needed to build our team. So our team wasn't expected to transform after buying Harry Maguire. But for Liverpool, it it was a general consensus that they just needed a goalkeeper and a a centre-back and they're complete. So that's why you, you saw that big shift in Liverpool after they completed their team. But you didn't see that massive upgrade in United when they bought Harry Maguire. So context in, in in that comparison plays a little part, a part there. Yeah. Um, so Maguire's a gentle flop. We've got quite a few to get through. Jaden Sancho um, up yeah. next, 85 million euros. There's only one place I'm going for this conversation. Um, flop until proven otherwise. Okay. <laughs> Leah's <laughs> reality. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Jaden Sancho's not your guy, is he? No, it's not that he's not my guy, honestly. like I, I've actually been on the record. I'm surprised we skipped Anthony because I think that Sancho has a higher ceiling than Anthony. I think when they're both at their best, I would rather have Sancho yeah. than Anthony. But the, the problem is we haven't seen Sancho at his best. And I think there there is something going on in his private life. On the pitch the last two seasons, he hasn't been anywhere near the player we bought. I don't think he's at his absolute best fitness when I look at what a, a top-class winger in the Premier League must have, explosiveness, burst, directness. I don't think physically he's at that level yet, but I do believe that Sancho has everything it takes to, again, be yeah. a top-class winger. So it's not that I don't like the guy. I'm just, yeah. I'm just honest. When There was a period in time the last two seasons where people were saying Sancho just needs more time or he needs to bet in. Like, no, there, there was clearly something wrong with him, and I think Ten Hag has identified that too. But when he's at his best, there's no denial. We, we've signed a good player there. We're just yet to see it. And also, like, I think the dynamics changed once he stepped in on the pitch because we were supposedly buying him to play alongside Martial and, Ra- and Marcus Rashford. He came in and he's playing now for Ronaldo. You know, so that completely shifted the entire way he plays and he, he needed to, at plus adapting, plus a new club, plus new teammates. So, now nah, I think we just need to give him a little bit more time, like uh, maybe this season and the season and the season after we see, is he going to take the next step or not? Um, Danielle, you were cheering on the Sancho Anthony comment. Uh, listen, we're not going to talk about Anthony at detail. He was 95 million euros. We haven't seen enough of him. But just let's just rewind a second. Why are you cheering along everything that's against Anthony? What has he said yeah, to you? Arsenal fans hate Anthony, man. Big man, they hate I, him. I drove all the way to Manchester to watch man do three celebrations in, <laughs> in 30 seconds. Against I, I would nearly jump on what the bench, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, what, are you, like, what are you doing, bro? So I hate Anthony for life. So uh, that's, that's just my... I uh, but I, but I, I do take the sympathetic approach with Jaden Sancho. I do think Borussia Dortmund and United are two very different platforms. And I do think 
Sancho is the type of player that needs to be loved and to feel the vibe around him. He doesn't strike me as a very openly confident player that's able to take on things when there's not a lot of love around him. And um, with wingers, if you're not confident, you're not going to try things. You're not going to try and take someone mm, on. You're not, yeah. you're not. And, you know, so for me, I don't think he's a flop yet. I think uh, it's too soon to write him off. And there is definitely, definitely a player in there. Come on. All right. Uh... We're going to skip Lukaku because he's 84.7 million to United. We've already, we've literally spoken seven minutes on Lukaku. So if you're so desperate to hear more about, look, just rewind to near the start. I was going to say, Lukaku to United, I might say he wasn't a flop because his goal record when he was at the club was okay. But Chelsea is undoubtedly, he's a flop, man. Well, so you'd say his move to United is like somewhere in the, like, it's just an okay deal, not a. Yeah, pop, yeah. Not they, a flop. they spent okay. a lot of money. He was their top scorer okay. both seasons. I think one season he scored over, I think both seasons he scored over 20 goals all, competi- yeah, all competitions. And then Ollie came in and, and decided he wanted to go a different way of his strikers. So it wasn't great, but I wouldn't say flop. Okay. Um, yeah. Virgil van Dijk, I think we can all agree wow. that this... In fact, instead of talking about this as a flop or not, let's talk about whether this is one of the best signings in the Premier League. Um, because of what yeah. Abdul just said, that it was Liverpool's final piece in the jigsaw, turned Liverpool from a top four, potentially a title team, to an actual title team, a team that won trophies. Um, yeah. But I think w- one key thing that I always remember with Van Dijk when he signed for Liverpool was... There's a huge expectation. And actually, in reality, a lot of people were like, 80 million for this guy. Like, no yeah, one actually yeah. thought he was good. Everyone was kind of like, he's good, but he's not that good. I remember when he signed, 80 million quid for Liverpool to buy anyone was like, yo, this is like, what's happening here? Um, and then also, in his first game was against Everton, he scored the winning header. I think that yeah, immediately, I, thought, yeah. I think people... Oh, hold on. I think people forget how important it is for players to hit the ground running when they go to a new club, regardless of price tag, regardless of how good a player is, regardless of vibes or whatever it is. I look at, there's another player on this list, striker Darwin Nunez. There's like the, the way people are judged immediately at a club when you sign for a lot of money is very critical to how it's going to carry on. Van Dijk scores a winning header in a derby in the FA Cup, wins you the derby. Suddenly every Liverpool fan who was going, who the is this guy is now going, yo, we've signed, we've signed Barese, we've signed Maldini. It just Maldini, suddenly, yeah. the narrative just completely switches. So with that in mind, forget a flop or not for this guy. How high is he in terms of the best signings a club has made in the Premier League? He's got, he's got to be up there. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to jump in and say top 10 overall. Like I don't want to jump in, but my yeah. instinct is telling me like when we're talking all time, he enters that list because when you look at the gap that he was looking to fill and how instantly he filled it and how he basically filled up Liverpool's trophy cabinet with a few things plus the one thing that they were missing. Um, and at one point, it genuinely felt like we were having a conversation that he's the greatest centre-back ever. Ever. Yeah. That was a dark time. That was a dark time in history, like, by the way. Like, he's, <laughs> never, he's never been that in his life. That, like, that was ridiculous. Yeah, that's yeah, Liverpool yeah, fans. I'm telling you, they're the most powerful guy. fan base on the planet. They could make... They were the, the shit I was hearing, bro, was crazy about every one of their players. But hey, bro, not all, say I'm saying, all I'm saying is he was sitting there next to Ronaldo, next to Messi, as undoubtedly one of the top three so is Jorginho. I, I ain't trying to hear any of that. <laughs> and this is this is why I, I feel like context play a really huge part in media, of course, play a huge part in, in gassing up these certain players and certain transfers. Like, okay, we get it. Virgil van Dijk had a big impact on Liverpool, but like, as I was just saying earlier, he was the final piece in a complete team, almost complete team, right? Yeah, sure, he leveled up, 
right, with them. But as much as Virgil van Dijk was good, they made him better too. You know what I mean? So it's... it's, oh, no, it's but, like, I, but you know when you talk about a, like a complete puzzle, you're thinking about signing a number nine that complements the two wide players brilliantly and they're, they're able to get 30 yeah. assists because of that player. Virgil was different. Like Virgil was basically making it so uncomfortable and so distressing to play Liverpool. Like he just knocked mm. all the confidence out of you. Like he would never sweat. Mm. He'd never lunge. You'd try and come up to him. He'd slam you. He'd play a ball over the top to Salah or to Mane. Like yeah. th- th- there were there was a season where he genuinely looked like there is he'd complete. Yeah, I, I remember zero dribble past season yeah. until until Lindelof did it. You're backpedaling for ninety minutes. No one dribbles uh, you, bro. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> until Lindelof did it. Lindelof was supposedly an average defender. You know, honestly, like... honestly United fans are shameless, man. I'm like, I knew that already, but like when I, when I'm seeing it live in action, it's a different experience. It's crazy. It's crazy, like, man. I mean, I mean, this is what I mean by certain things get gassed up way over the top, right? It's like okay, so I don't rate. Lindelof that highly I like Lindelof but he did it so it's not really something to boast about for, from a Liverpool standpoint on a defender right but like I get it I get it like one on one on V1s I think Virgil van Dijk at, at one point was one of the best I've seen right but again I, I feel like in these comparisons sometimes we're really the like strip the entire team from the conversation mm. too, too too easily you know, so okay, how, he affected the team one hundred percent. We agree, but how did the team affect him too? You know, what I will say about a- Van Dijk, though, right? The the best compliment I can give him is that you look at the best center backs of all time and you see the partnerships that they're in. You always have an aggressor and you have more of the ball player. I think of Puyol yeah. and Pique, Rio and Vidic, JT and Carvalho. With Van Dijk, right? First of all, you could play him next to anyone, whether it's Dejan Lovren, Matip, Joe Gomez, yeah. Konate. More recently. He is the, the 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 best in that pair, and he makes everyone next to him better. But also, he was one of the first center backs I've seen that is so capable of playing both the aggressor and mm. the ball player. It doesn't matter who's next to him. He, yeah, yeah. When you talk about Pogba, for example, in terms of he has everything physically and 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 athletically and, and technically as well to be the best. Van Dijk is also in that situation that mm. athletically and technically doesn't really have any weakness to him. So therefore, you can put him next to anyone, and he looked outstanding and. Let's be honest, no matter how much I want to basically say he was never the best of all time, which I still don't think he is. I think there's more that goes into that. The fact is he had a run where he was undoubtedly the best center back on the planet. Yeah. And I think it's starting no, to finally sure. come down now. But there was a point where, again, I remember the Champions League final, uh, Sun, or maybe it wasn't the, the final, it was just a league game where Sun is running. Game, yeah. No, it's Musa Sissoko, I think, is running, running, running with Sun on his side. Oh, yeah, and that like basically pushes him wide, 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 and then comes in and right at this, the, the moment. And you can see in Sissoko, it's like, a deer running away, like an antelope running away from like a cheetah or something like that, bro. <laughs> it's just like the the, the 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 headlights go on in his head, bro. Van Dyke had this aura about him for a few seasons that, yo, any forward didn't want any smoke of him. Except for Olivier Giroud. Giroud always yeah. found a way against Van Dyke. Van Dyke one. even said that. Van Dyke says yeah. in an interview that like there's one player that he doesn't like playing against because he'd always find a way. It was Olivier Giroud. Um, mm. So him. Very quickly then, Izzy, where where would you have him in your list of... This is a Premier League list, so let's go with Premier League. In terms of Premier League signings, where where is Van Dyke in terms of the best signing ever? Um, Probably top 20. That is a huge list to top go 20? Yeah. Top 20? Top 20? Just... Come on. You... The thing is, there's a lot of good defenders that came in in the Premier League. Wait, is this yeah, defenders or all no, players? All, all players, all players. Yeah, all top players. 20, bro. Come on. We've yeah. had some brazy signings in the Premier League, man. 
Yeah, that's no, why. I'm, yeah. That's why I don't want to commit to top twenty straight away. <laughs> no, top twenty, I'll give him right. Top, top ten, though, I mean, that's what probably New, what Nubaid wants to hear. He's not a top like, ten signing. Like the top, the top five is obviously Henri, Vieira. Uh, yeah, Camp. Camp. <laughs> 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 so I'll be like after that, I'll just like, yeah, oh, okay. Zil, <laughs> <laughs> Ben, uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, impact wise, though, impact wise, I'm just gonna say that yeah. is it impact wise or how long they've lasted at that top, you know, in the Premier League? It's difficult. I mean, I think judge this however you would judge it. In my opinion, I, if I said impact wise, having seen my club, obviously Liverpool, not touch a title or get anywhere near it, and then yeah. have someone come in who practically repairs this back line, which yeah. I, I, I like to just reiterate that, like Liverpool playing Robertson at left back or Moreno actually at the time, then Robertson came in. Um, yeah. He was eight million from Hull. Like no disrespect to Robertson, he was just an engine. Um, on yeah. the other side, you had Trent, who doesn't even defend at that point. He was practically a right winger. Uh, and then he had Gomez and occasionally Matip, whose like spine doesn't yeah. even work. So uh, he was he was essentially like a mad mountain in a defense that was constantly a little bit patchy. In but places. here's the thing, Nubid, that Liverpool team in that period, every single signing that you guys made, yeah, it was could arguably be in the top twenty. You look at we haven't talked about Mo Salah. He's probably yeah. a better uh, permanent Sadio signing Mane. than Van Dijk was. You want to talk about instant Allison. impact? He Allison. came into the Allison. league. Allison as well. Sabini. Salah came into the league scoring 32 his, his first season, bro. So True. Liverpool at that point, every single signing they made, it didn't seem but, like they could fall. But, but what I would say is that when, obviously, Van Dijk, after they won the title, the next season, you remember the, in that Merseyside derby when he got wiped out? Um, yeah. And that was the following season, right? So after that you saw obviously i know that that whole back line was finished but van dyke not being in that liverpool squad is big great like if you take van dyke out of it on fifa they're 100% dropping at least half a star so, <laughs> so, so that so that should stars now so that should that that should that should tell you about his impact that when you take a player out of the team yeah. they the entire team from top to bottom drastically yeah. goes down a level you, you have Actually, to give him his props. This is a conversation I've had several times that season about Liverpool. The thing is, it got so hyped that it's because of Van Dyke's energy they crumbled completely. They I'd were like first in the league in like December with Gomez yeah, and Matic. I think yeah, it's yeah. the after effects of removing Van Dyke. It isn't that Van Dyke himself. Like if you got, if you put a really really good defender back in in the Liverpool team, I don't think they crumble that bad. But the problem was that because not only Van Dyke got injured, a couple of their center backs, they had to shift their midfield to center backs. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is when they truly crumbled. Mm -hmm. Because playing Henderson and, and Matip or Fabinho, Fabinho. And, and Henderson. Yeah. Fabinho and Henderson at two center Ozan backs. Ozan Kabak and uh, Matt Phillips and Reese Williams. Yeah. <laughs> like, Crazy. That's, that's what destroyed them. And that's what made them actually go on that six home defeats uh, in that season. Is because they're playing their midfield. Their engine is playing in center back. And now they don't have an engine. So when the fullbacks go further, there's no one covering the fullbacks. And then they get murdered on the counter-attack. Yeah. I mean, to, to close on that statement, I reckon if Van Dyke was fit and he had Fabinho next to him or Henderson next to him, I swear to you, I reckon he would have made it work. And for me, that says <laughs> that, uh, uh, for me that says everything. It would have made it better. I, I, Liverpool I, I, fans would have been saying Henderson is better than Barresi next yeah. to Henderson. <laughs> Henderson, our centre back, was naughty. Anyway, a um, few more to get through. Wesley Fofana, I'm not going to talk about because uh, he, he's been injured the entire time. Eighty million euros. 
Uh, Darwin Nunez, 80 million euros. I feel, is it too early to talk about him? I feel like people want to talk about him. So he gets a lot of mentions on the pod. I feel 80 million euros. He's played, I think, 18 games for Liverpool. Um, Abdul how, many how many How many? How many goals? Ten, 10, I believe. 10 goals, four assists. Oh, let me get his stats up. You can have about like 40. You can have about 40 with the amount of yeah. chances he generated. No, but do you know the thing is? The media created this vibe as well. They started using the word chaos. And then yeah. some cool people on Twitter started saying chaos. And everyone was like, oh my God, chaos it's him. It's Leas. Chaotic, it's Leas. chaotic football. Oh my God. I love, I, love I love the way he hits the post instead of scoring. It's so sick. Like but... his, his movement is very actually, it's, it's smart, but it's also at the same time erratic. You know, mm. like he, he moves all over the place and he creates disruption for the back lines, which is very yeah. good if you get the chances and he does get the chances. It's just that his finishing is it, also it, erratic it, as it, his moments. In short, in short, I think that by the time Darwin Nunez leaves Liverpool, I think I think Liverpool would have Oh, will they win another league title? I don't think so. But I reckon they would have been happy that they signed him. So um I get that feeling that he's gonna be like a like a good striker for them. I reckon he's going to get that 25 plus goals a season vibe. Maybe 30. He's the most entertaining footballer I've ever seen in my life. I'm, I'm <laughs> just saying, like, I love, I love watching Darwin Nunez play, bro, because I'm just entertained. I, I made a joke on Twitter. It's like he has voices in his head sometimes, bro. Like, <laughs> Randy Orton. He's like, bro, like, some of the things he does kills me, bro. Yeah, yeah, honestly. They talk to me. They honestly kills me, bro. He's jokes, it. man. I, I, I like Darwin. I, th- I think. Yeah. Look, he's not scoring goals right now, but for me, it's more important the, the fact that he's creating as many chances for himself as he is. And it's not like yeah. he's not relying on other people creating those chances for him. His movement is excellent, although, like Abdel said, very also erratic, but he's very raw. And you can see that mm. there is something to work with there, man. He is one of the rawest players I've seen, but there is so much in terms of athleticism, in terms of intelligence. Yeah. I think I think there's a player there in the next few years. I think they're like Liverpool. The the closest comparison with, of obviously he's, he's he's got compared to him all the time. Haaland and City and Liverpool and, and and Nunez. It's just that like they put in this this. I wouldn't call them traditional number nine, but this number nine that relies on movement, you mm. know. And then when you remember, uh, when you go back and think about the center forwards that they've had, you had Firmino, who's a totally opposite profile to what Darwin Nunez is and then you had Mane and, and, and Salah cutting in and going into the, the inside channels you've completely changed the dynamics of the forward line both for City and for Liverpool now granted City have more you know money to make more signings and, and adjust around some of their their dynamics to a degree but Liverpool haven't been I feel like they haven't been recruiting well to you know properly fix the forward dynamics for for to play with someone like Nunez you know, especially that they're still relying on their fullbacks to create as well. I would also say there's no Jota and there's no Diaz. So I think yeah. Nunez, there's a real big demand on him to play as a nine, but also a wide forward as well. And I think yeah. Liverpool are struggling to make that work. But like Leah said, though, I, I do think there's a very good player in there. Oh, um, yeah. He's extremely raw and his decision-making... In fact, you know what sums him up? The goal, the last goal he scored, I think was at Wolves, where he takes it on the volley first time. That's more him than anything else. Any other time you put him in on goal and he's got acres of space and time, he he overthinks everything beyond yeah, belief. He's instinctual. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. In, yeah. In a way, like maybe some somewhat similar to someone like Henrik Larsson. Theo, Theo Walcott. I was going to say Mor- Morata, to be honest with you. 
But yeah, we actually like Morata. I think Morata's so more <laughs> technically no. I think Morata's more technically clean. But you talk about how many chances Morata gets. A lot of it comes down to his own movement. And yeah. I remember like the miss he had the other day, Darwin. I think it was against Villa. Reminded me so much of one that Morata had against Arsenal, where like again, acres of space, acres of space. Just yeah. open up your body and put it uh, far post, and he just completely shanks it. I, whether it's confidence, whether it's just like erraticism, I don't know, man. But yeah, it, I think it's also, if he it's gets also- it right, he's good. It's so difficult yeah. because he comes into a team that is actually a mess at the moment. Whereas previously, like, yeah, previously Liverpool sign a player and it's like, hey, you can come and play in this great team and like it, do whatever you want. We're going to figure it out for you. It's, it's cool. At the moment, he's literally getting told you're playing 95 minutes every single game, every three days. We need you to score because if you don't score, nothing's going to happen. Um, yeah. I think he creates a lot for himself. I think I think he's he's going to be a great signing. But at the moment... You guys keep in your mind whether you think he's a flop or not. Because I'm going to go through all the players towards the end and we're going to have to rank them. Um, Three more to go. Uh, Kai Havertz, 80 million euros. Well, wait, hold on. Sorry, sorry. I said flop, but man won the Champions League. So, um... yeah, it's tough to it's tough to really call right. him a flop, bro. He has a winning Champions League goal. Now, but at the same time, so does Belletti. Like, how yeah, much yeah, can yeah. you really so, get? Yeah, so you've got you've got that stat on his side, which has bought him a lot of credit in the bank from Chelsea fans. Um, but I I comfortably think that if you ask a lot of Chelsea fans now, would you sell or keep Kai Havertz? I think they'd take a deep breath, they'd think about it, and then reluctantly they would say sell him. Like it's time to move yeah, on. I, 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 think, I think they would say that. I was at the Chelsea City game, and every touch he had, people booed. Um, and wow. that was Chelsea, Chelsea fans were booing him. So yeah. oh, wow. I think he's... I think because a part of the. Ch- like Champions League apart, I, th- I think on an individual level, the impact, the contribution, the, the the way he plays, everything that gets involved within the individual player himself, he hasn't been living up to the price and he hasn't been delivering enough impact or enough what, moments. What, what is his role though? Because I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't signed yeah, as, a, the, as a false nine. To That's the problem, Daniel. What, what, like, he's not exactly. a striker. He's not a number 10. He's like this weird nine and a half role, but like... Mm. Kai Havertz for me is a player that requires an entire attack to be built around him and for him mm. to be the focal point, but like not a focal point that holds up the ball or whatever that kind of just yeah. like roams in his own pockets. But the only thing is you can only afford that kind of luxury to a player of either insane output or like uh, Nubed said, a player that completely changes games on his own. And Havertz doesn't yeah. provide that enough for you. Like if you're, I don't know, like Messi, then okay, you... Yeah, I say Messi. I don't know. Definitely Messi. Then you, you build the entire <laughs> attack around him and he doesn't have to defend. He doesn't have to be like a striker. He does what he wants. He roams where he wants. But when you're Havertz, and I just looked it up, 17 Premier League goals and 74 appearances for a guy who's playing every single game for Chelsea, that's not mm. good enough. It's not mm. worth it. Is that one yeah. in four? Is that, that's like, that's about yeah, roughly, four, yeah. No? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's also the, mean, po- the performances as well. His performances are yeah, really poor. Performances, yeah. Yeah, it's too, what, for me, what? he's too languid, right? The first time I saw him, I was like, okay, this guy reminds me a bit of Berbatov. In terms of like uh, their style, tall, yeah. languid, not very fast, very laid back demeanor, but it's to a de- it's like to a deficit at this point. Like there's no urgency urgency to his game. There's no. Yeah. Sometimes I want to see a player with a bit of anger on them, bro. Like Havertz doesn't seem bothered half the time, and that for me as a football fan, like watching a player on your team, can be very frustrating. Like even for Martial, for example, is, is a player that I kind of linked in terms of that demeanor. Martial has great pressing numbers, but you see him sometimes just kind of like sulking, shoulders down, and it frustrates you yeah. as a footballing fan. So Havertz, I'm sure Chelsea fans feel the exact same way. Like, is he a lazy player? Well, maybe he is, but probably not. Probably his pressing stats suggest not, but his demeanor is so hard to get behind as a football fan. I, th- I think when I think when Chelsea signed Havertz, they signed him as one of 
a few players that they had in their plans to complete a team. But it seems like Havertz has been signed and then all the other transfer policy has kind of like fallen apart. So yeah. he's been bought in for a system yeah. and then the team has not matched his needs at all. So you're going for pace out wide and you're going for like swashbuckling fullbacks. But then you've got no one that is able to kind of link that play from the midfield or allow him to be creative. Um, and that's why when, when he was being bought in, my cousin who's a Chelsea fan was like, oh, like, he actually said he's the new Meza Ozil. He actually, like, and that's I was like, crazy. Oh. I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, yeah, trust me, his assists are going to be crazy. He's bought in. He's going to, like, find passes out of nowhere. But for me, I've just, there's no, um, what do I call it? Is it productivity or there's no effect on the game when I see Havertz playing? Like, I don't notice when he's playing versus when he's not playing. Mm. You see what I mean? And I think oh. people didn't notice that about him because at Leverkusen, when he, when he was playing there, the, the entire attack was built around him being an mm. attacking midfielder. And the moment that wasn't there, it felt like he's not bothered to to carry a team or, or produce. It's like, okay, if you're not building the attack around me or you're not helping me, then uh, uh, yeah, I couldn't care less. I'm at Chelsea, I'm getting paid well. So it's kind of like, eh, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. Ooh. So yeah, he's very similar in the demeanors, as Les was saying. I was just thinking back about Martial right now. but it, And it's weird because when, when you look at Martial's numbers, again, Les said it, it's like, wait, he has those pressing numbers? It's like, I, I don't see that with my eyes. It's like, how does he have those numbers? But um, yeah, I guess that's that's the vibe he gives off. I, I would I, I would say overall, Kai Havertz, I think Chelsea fans won't be too mad at this as well. It's not recency bias, but if you take out the Champions League winning goal, which is a huge, that's a huge thing to have on your CV. If you take that away, I don't think Havertz has achieved anywhere near what Chelsea fans wanted yeah, him to achieve. Sure. And that's why I say he's a flop. Also, if you're realistic, 80 million euros for a player who literally, the second we started the conversation, we said, but he has scored a Champions League goal and nothing else. I cannot remember another Kai Havertz moment or another Kai Havertz goal or another Kai Havertz game. That's I think if you're a player like Kai Havertz, who's apparently this nine and a half or whatever people claim he is now, you want to have games where you, even if the team loses or if the team draws or if the team wins, he is the guy that you go, oh man, what a performance from Kai Havertz. I do not remember mm. that in my time of watching Kai Havertz at Chelsea. And if it's happened, it might have happened twice in 74 games. For 8 million euros, brother, you may as well take my left foot. Um, I feel it's, it's worth a bit more. Um, Pepe and Kepa to go. Uh, I think Pepe, we can all say, is an out-and-out flop. 80 million euros. He took on Virgil van Dijk and after that, his career has gone backwards. Um, he, he, he took on who? He took on Van Dijk, apparently, didn't he? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I remember that clip going around where he ran past him and Arsenal fans were like, he's arrived. Our boy has arrived. And I was like, yeah, he, he hasn't, though. He just hasn't. He's not... <laughs> but what, the, the thing that I'll never forget about Pepe is during Twitter Spaces era, when it was like lockdown, yeah. this one gun on Spaces is like... <laughs> Uh, he, he's the reincarnation of Thierry. In fact, in yeah. fact, wallahi, I'd take him over Thierry. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I, do you know what? I, I reckon I know this no. guy. I reckon I, now I've seen him in real life. Yeah, now I want to punch that guy. <laughs> well, like you said, uh, but, uh, for, for me, for me, Pepe, it's actually funny that a lot of people are like, "Why?" There are actually Arsenal fans right now saying, "Why were we going and twerking for Mudrik when we've got a player in Liga on loan?" Pepe's the answer as a backup. I reckon he's got it in him. I was like, bro, chill. I was like, trust me. I was like, this Don has put us through enough where we've realised that it's not that he's a bad player, but genuinely, I feel in my heart, the Premier League is too high a level for him. Yeah. Because if you look at his stats in the Europa League, 
and what he would do for us in the Europa League group stages when we're playing St. Mirren and Lahore Football Club. And you know what I mean? Like when we're playing these lot, he's absolutely top binning it and nutmegging people. But when you come to the Premier League, there's there's a handful think, of goals. I remember, I remember one clip of Pepe in one of his last games for Arsenal where he came on and I think it was about 10 degrees. It wasn't even cold. It was 10 degrees and I think you were playing at home and he came on with about 15 minutes ago and his hands were like this, like covered. And his, he had his shirt over his mouth. And I was like, ah, Premier League's not for you, Giza. I was like, it's not even nah. cold today. It's not even nah. cold. Like, what's wrong and, with you? And genuinely, yeah. I reckon the Premier League is just not his level. And that, that is fine. There are some players that are not made for the Prem. There are some players that perform better in Germany, better in France, better in Spain, better in Italy. And uh, for me, that's what's shown it. The way he performs in the Europa League versus how he performs in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I think it's similar to, to Kai Havertz in a way. Temperament plays a, a very big role in how you perform in different leagues. You know, it's kind of like, do you want to take on that challenge or do you not want to take on that challenge? Mm. What, what, what for me, though, I, this is what I said about Pepe, right? Pepe, I'm pretty sure, was like a goalkeeper until he was like 16, 17 years old. And for yeah, me, was... I always brought back to that point. You know, he, it was crazy. Like, Pepe was a goalkeeper very late into his career. <laughs> and you could almost tell, though, bro, because he has a lot of a natural ability and he's a decent athlete, but I've never seen a player at that price range, like a, a, a so-called elite level player like at the time when he was bought by Arsenal, but so raw. He is one yeah. of the most raw players I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Like some of the decisions, I remember, I think you guys were two or three nil down at the Emirates against City at halftime. And I see this guy doing back heels in his own half. And I was like, yeah. what is going on in your head? No, like, this is crazy. He mm -hmm. had moments, like I remember against United, he used to cook Luke Shaw every single season yeah. he played against him. He would have 10 terrible games in a row. United comes calling and Luke Shaw, he would look like Ronaldinho against him. But he made some of the most boneheaded decisions in games that I've ever seen in my life. And it was disappointing because where was he before? Lille, right? He was yeah. unbelievable at Lille. He looked yeah. outrageous. And Although, I will Arsenal's say, that season at Lille, a lot of talks were about his stats, but I'm pretty sure he had like 16 goals, but 10 were pens. So, I just looked at the way as an outlet. He looked unbelievable on that. On the, like, on the start time. at the halfway yeah. line, send yeah. him through, bro. The and problem was, though, the problem yeah. is when you bring in players like that from France who have a specific style from a specific team, if you don't play that style, it's pretty much game over, especially when you have someone of that demeanor who doesn't seem very interested. Um, oh, yeah, or someone who's very instinctive. instinctive. Like Arsenal, he's still playing on his raw talent. Arsenal bought the player of the year four times from France. Um, and only one of them worked out for us. We bought Shamak, Javinho, Giroud, and Pepe. And uh, so far, so far, that, only that, that's a hilarious transfer, transfer policy. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Just keep buying the best player in the league, and one might come good. Um, all right, uh, one player left on this list: Kepa, eighty million euros. Seems like people seem to think he's resurrecting his career a bit. Wow. I was at the Chelsea City game, like I said, when the cross came in and he let it run. And Mares tapped it in the back post. I was like, that was the most bizarre bit of goalkeeping I've ever seen. Like, I don't, I don't mean I'm not over exaggerating. Why I say it was bizarre is the ball was there to just pick up, bro. Like, it wasn't even the cross wasn't even fizzed in. It was passed into the box, and he like pulled his arms out the way as if to go. That's gonna go out for a goal kick. Hey, hey. and I was like, the ball was next to your hand. Like, it was. It's so bizarre in my mind. I think I always think about keepers, and I think. If they're a bit too active, a bit too loud, there's a brain fart coming. They're going to just like, something mad's going to happen. It's going to switch in their mind at some point. Burnt Leno at Arsenal used to remind me of the same. Uh, just uh, 80 million. No, 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 no but there, there, are some, there are some keepers that feel like they need to be active to be at their best. There are some keepers that can literally stand around for 89 minutes 
and still be focused to make a world-class save. I think Kepa's done enough in his Chelsea career to balance out the underperformance and the pressure. No, no, no. There's no way he's done anything worthy of balancing out that Carabao Cup final, bro. Refusing to come up. Wait, hold on. Did they win that Carabao Cup? No, they lost. No, they went to penalties. Didn't say. Hey, hey, Howler. <laughs> no, no, he, he, no, no. I, 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 yeah. That's not even the only thing. I remember the 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 he Champions the League Ajax. He won, the, he won the Super Cup, though. Super Cup hype. Right? That- I remember the Champions League final. Uh, the Champions League against Ajax with uh, Ziyech curling it in, going off the post and smacking him in the face. The amount of long shots. Anytime someone sees space from forty yards out, they shoot against them because his arms are built like Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. He's a flop, bro. <laughs> Get this guy at the bottom of the list, man. Kepa, yeah. oh Kepa, my days. Kepa, Kepa for me is the encapsulation of the phrase. His confidence is right in checks. His body can't catch. His ability Thanks. can't catch. <laughs> you know, he has such a high confidence in himself. But his ability is not backing it up at all. It is like the way he talks, the way he signals at people, the way he screams is like, bro, you're you're not the top dog here. You know, it's just like, you know, calm it down a little bit. You know? <laughs> but I mean, he, he had his moments, but both bad and good. But I don't think it balances out overall, though. Uh, I, when, yeah. I was going to say time to rank these boys, because if you're listening, uh, actually, even if you're watching, Daniel said at the start, how long is this going to be? And I said, this, this, will, this will be 30 minutes, the pod will be 40 minutes. And he was like, great, that's right on the borderline. Now, if you just listen back to this, Danielle is desperate, desperate to just keep this going. We're at an hour and five minutes. So you are not leaving in 15 minutes time and you only have yourself to blame. Um, right, let's go from top to bottom. So the least flop to the biggest flop. Van Dyke is obviously at the top uh, of the list of the least flop. Then from what we've said, I'm going to say Grealish is probably second. Mm. Bro, I honestly might say Lukaku at United in a second. I can't. Look. I think that we have a couple that are still undecided. I would say these are the least. Like we haven't decided really anything on Jaden Sancho, Wesley Fafana, Darwin Nunez, and like I'll give them a bit more time and we'll see what happens. So I think these guys would be the least flop yet. Okay, all right. So we'll put them at the top of the list. Van Dyke next. Then you're saying Lukaku. You can have Lukaku. Then probably Grealish. I think comes in because we were sort of like potential yeah. flop kind of a flop not quite a flop because the ones after that they're all flopped so darwin yeah. darwin we just put him above because we didn't really talk okay. about him that much so okay, Dar- yeah, yeah, yeah. at the top yeah, of that list, yeah so yeah. just at the top of that list just to clarify we've gone with uh fafana darwin who we haven't really spoken about anthony we haven't really spoken about then and, Van- and sancho mm-hmm. yeah Sancho, I'm putting flop. I can't lie. I said yeah, flop I, until pro- flop until proven otherwise, but he's still a flop right now. Yeah, I would have put Sancho in there. So then you'd go Van Dyke, then Grealish, then probably Sancho, right? Like we're not fully killing him to okay, say he's a sure, flop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we've got a, a lot of players to debate here. We've got Pogba, we've got Chelsea, Lukaku, Harry Maguire, um, Kai Havertz, Pepe, and Kepper. Oof, putting them in order is. <laughs> I'd probably put Pogba. Pogba, or Havertz, like I don't think is as bad. Like, who who are we saying is the worst? The absolute worst is Lukaku at Chelsea. Lukaku, Chelsea. That for yeah, me, Chelsea, Lukaku is yeah, the worst. Yeah. Ah, I think I I think I agree with Pogba. Pogba, I think Pogba is next. I'd go Kai personally because I'd say twenty three years old. He's only spent two and a half seasons, three seasons at Chelsea. We still could be next. Yeah, I think we, we he's still got time, whereas Pogba, we've seen him at six seasons at United. No one's convinced still. I feel... Right, we go Kai just based on hypothetical yeah. then. 
Okay. All right, and then I hope we can, hope he gets better. <laughs> and then Pogba just because next. he has more, less, yeah, Pogba, Pogba next. Um, and then we've got Maguire, we've got Pepe, Kepa. I've got and obviously Lukaku at the bottom, so we've got to choose between them. I'd three. go Maguire, Kepa, Pe- Maguire, Pepe, Kepa, Pepe. What's wrong so, with you? Well, Pepe's the second biggest flop. Out of these, out of this list, yes, <laughs> Arsenal sold him and they're first in the league. <laughs> He's a flop. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I, yeah, I can see that. So then you're Pepe going. got displaced by a, an 18 year old left back, bro. Big man, big man, big man. Has he got death threats from the whole of Manchester? <laughs> no, so you know what I mean. You got bro, he, he never did anything bad enough to Arsenal fans like ain't built like that, bro. They, ah, they yeah, ain't that, got that I dog. Like, bro. I thought like, that is so true. That is so true. A strongly, a strongly written, written letter on his windshield at best. Pepe at United, he, he can get that too. <laughs> Go on, Abdul. Sorry, you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say Harry Ke- uh, Kepa. Then uh, sorry, Pepe then Kepa. All right, okay. So, if I'm not wrong, the order lands somewhere here. And if there's someone out of place, tell me at the end. So, we're going yeah. Darwin, Anthony, Fafana in a category together because they haven't really had a mention. Then Van Dyke. This is obviously top to bottom. So, this is hot to flop. Then Grealish on the basis that he's still got a bit of time, although he's the most expensive player on this list. Lukaku, Manchester United <laughs> deal, Lukaku. You missed Sancho, I think, before Grealish. Wasn't it? No, I think we put Sancho after Grealish. Really? Yeah, I'm putting Sancho after Grealish. Yeah, because there's two flops in the room for Sancho, whereas we're giving Grealish a bit more time. Okay. No, he's a flop too, but just not as much as Sancho. <laughs> there's levels to it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen enough from Grealish, but I just know. <laughs> All right, the levels to the flopping. Um, this will make sense. That We'll put out a little thing on social media because at the moment the the list in your mind, if you're listening or watching, is just going, yo, this list is all over the place. Um, then we've got I want to say, did we go... Yeah, we went for Kai Havertz, giving him the benefit of the doubt because he played less time than Pogba. Then Pogba. Then we went for Maguire. And then between Kepa and Pepe with Chelsea Lukaku a long way down the bottom of the list. So that is hot to flop. I feel like I didn't miss anyone, but I feel like Abdul's paying so much more attention than I am, so he's going to tell me. Yeah, Lukaku at United. (laughs) No, we did put him in. You're just not listening. This ain't my fault. Really? <laughs> yeah, we put him in right it. near the top. He was right, right higher up in the list. Okay, yeah. maybe I missed that for some reason. I don't know why. Sure. Um, right, if you're watching, thank you for watching. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and check out the boys. Um, of course, if you're listening, do the same. Follow the pod across all platforms that you like to follow the pod on. And uh, we'll see you next time.